KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. It is hard to not be fascinated by outer space. Currently, I'm watching the PBS documentary. It's called Chasing the Moon. And the way that that race to get to the moon between the U.S. and the Soviet Union was so front and center, so omnipresent in society, it's frankly something I have a hard time getting my head around. Now, we may never see a fervor like that for space travel again in our lifetime, but that doesn't mean the fire to learn about outer space has been extinguished. Recently, the new James Webb Space Telescope, it came online and it has started delivering breathtaking images of faraway galaxies and planets and stars. But this is more than just pretty pictures. Already, astronomers and scientists have learned a lot and there is a lot more yet to come. So what is the potential here? I really wanted to learn more, so caught up with Dr. Eric Jensen. He is a professor of astronomy at Swarthmore College. So let's start talking kind of nuts and bolts here. The James Webb Space Telescope. Why is this so special? How is this different from the ability we've had to look into space before? Right. So so a lot of people might be familiar with the Hubble Space Telescope, which was launched in 1990. So it's been up for now 32 years, I guess. Um and this is really a successor to that telescope, but it's different in a couple of important ways. Um, number one is that it's bigger. So uh, it, for, for telescopes, bigger really is better for a couple reasons. One is that you can think of what a telescope is doing as being, astronomers sometimes call it a light bucket. That's a sort of generic uh, or not derogatory term, but a little bit coarse, it, but it, but it, it captures an important thing, which is that telescopes let us see really faint things because they can capture more of the light that's coming to us from space. So if you think about what happens with your eye when you go into a dark room, the pupil of your eye gets bigger and it gets bigger so it can let more light in. So using a telescope is like having the pupil of your eye be not you know, a quarter or a half an inch across, but being maybe 10 feet, or in the case of the James Webb telescope, more like 20 feet in diameter. So it's just this big mirror that can capture a lot of light. And so that lets us see things that are really faint that we're not able to see otherwise. Uh, now, the other thing that's important that's a difference between the James Webb Space Telescope and telescopes that we've had before is the kind of light that it can see. And so this is the way, one of the primary ways it's really different from Hubble. And rather than seeing the visible light part of the spectrum that our eyes can see, it's seeing different colors of light, what are called infrared. So light that is is farther beyond the red part of the spectrum. And that's useful for a couple reasons. One, things that are really cold, like maybe planets around other stars, emit more in the infrared part of the spectrum. And the other thing is that as things are farther and farther away due to the um, due to the expansion of the universe, their light gets shifted to be redder and redder. It gets stretched. Um, and in some case gets stretched so far that it's there's hardly any visible light left anymore, but there's only this infrared light. Uh, so that's another thing that the Webb telescope will let us do. And then finally, these long waves and links of light um, 
penetrate through gas and dust better. We can, in a sense, see right through some of the, the dust that's blocking our view in visible light, and we can see it much better in infrared light. We've gotten a look at some images. We've gotten some data from this telescope already. Even just as a layman, it's breathtaking. As someone who studies this, who is waist deep into this, what has jumped out to you? What images, ideas have gotten you the most excited so far? Yeah, so it's it's funny, you know, sometimes I do feel like, oh, I've gotten jaded, you know, I see stuff all the time and nothing gets me excited. But when I saw these images, I definitely got excited. I just looked at it and I thought, wow, this is amazing. Um of the ones that were released initially, I thought all of them were were pretty spectacular. Um, the one that actually got me the most, what, partly because of what I work on and what I'm interested in, was not really a picture, but what astronomers call a spectrum. So it, this is basically a graph of light from an object um, that shows you the how bright it is at, in different colors. Sort of like if you take light from the sun and you pass it through a prism, you can see all the different colors of light. And one of those initial plots showed the light coming through the atmosphere of a planet around another star. And it shows these features in it that tell us there's water in the atmosphere of that planet. And when I saw that, I just gasped out loud because I was amazing that we can do this. You know, when I started my career, we didn't even know about any planets around other stars. And now we're able to look at a planet and tell that it has water in its atmosphere. And that's amazing to me. How important is this to exploration, to understanding, like to the average person, they see, oh, wow, these pictures are are beautiful. But how does this take us to a next level as far as understanding the universe, everything beyond it? You know, are are we kind of in the opening days of almost a master class in what's out there because of this telescope? Uh, I think so. I mean, I think some like a lot of new discoveries, some some of it will be more incremental. We'll have things that we understood at one level and we'll understand them a bit better. Um, one of the big areas where we'll be able to to really understand a lot that we didn't before is in looking farther back in time, and I'll explain what I mean by that in a second, to when the very first stars formed. So after the Big Bang, before any stars existed, when that first generation of stars was forming, because of this ability to look at, at infrared light, we can start to look much better at that very early phase of star formation and galaxy formation. So back to the... Uh, the some of the earliest beginnings of the universe that that we can observe. So I mentioned looking back in time, and that seems like an impossible thing to do. Um, but we actually can do it because since light coming from a distance takes some time to reach us, light only travels at a finite speed. It's very fast, but it's not infinitely fast. So when we see something a certain distance away, we're seeing it as it was at some time in the past because the light, it's old news in a sense, the light has taken some time to reach us. So if something is 100 light years away, then we're seeing it as it was 100 years ago. Um, when something is 
13 billion light years away, which is what James Webb Space Telescope will be able to see. We're seeing, we're literally seeing what that object looked like just a little while after the Big Bang. And so we're seeing back to this early phase of the universe and, and formation of some of the first stars and galaxies. So that's an area where there'll be huge advances in what we're able to, to understand. Are you more excited about things we already know that we will be able to really dig into or the idea of we're going to learn things that we didn't know existed or were only theoretical and confirm them or find out it's it's a completely different or completely opposite of what we thought stuff like that yeah th i love that question that's um it both will be cool um but but you're absolutely right that i think one of the and it's it, in some ways it's hard to get excited or or weird to get excited about this since we don't know what it will be but but it is the latter that i am more excited about because the the history of what we've been able to do in astronomy Certainly when you build a new telescope or when you have two new technology, you learn a lot about the questions you already have. But one of the cool things that I love about astronomy is you see totally new things that you didn't expect at all. And that's pretty awesome to just look at something and and have something you totally didn't expect that you don't know that at first you don't understand at all. And that tells us something new about the universe. Now, obviously, be, just by its nature, you can't say what those things are going to be. But I know they're going to be there just because we've seen that time and again with previous telescopes that will make some new discoveries that we just didn't see coming at all. And that'll be really exciting. We need to take a break on KYW News Radio In-Depth. We will have more with Eric Jensen of Swarthmore College right after this. And we are back on KYW News Radio In-Depth, continuing our conversation with Eric Jensen. You mentioned the information that showed water on a planet, and I'm just, are we prepared for what we could find? Like, could this, you know, and I'm maybe I'm wildly exaggerating, but could we get a picture of something that, wow, that really looks like some kind of civilization or wow, there's stuff there that is not anything we've ever seen on a planet. Like, could this in theory be kind of the first link to learning that there's, there is life out there? Yeah, I would, I would say it's a, it's not impossible, but much more likely that this is a, a step along the way. And so we, so for example, to take this, this, new data that shows water in this planet, we were pretty confident that there's not life as we know it on that planet. And that's because the planet is super hot, thousands of degrees it's sitting right next to its sun and it would just be burning hot. Um, but the fact that we can detect that there's water there means that for other planets that might be, be more hospitable to life, we should also be able to tell whether or not they have water in their atmospheres that would tell us something about whether the planet could be um could be habitable that that doesn't tell us directly that there's life there but it's more like this would be a, a possible environment for life now you can go a, a step further and say well could if we can see there's water in the atmosphere could we see some other signature that could tell us that there's life there and people do talk about what are called biosignatures so something that's in the atmosphere so, for example, in Earth's atmosphere, the main reason there's oxygen in Earth's atmosphere is because there's life on Earth. So the so humans are breathing in the oxygen 
and breathing out the carbon dioxide, plants are doing the opposite. They're taking in carbon dioxide, they're releasing oxygen. So the oxygen in the Earth's atmosphere comes from the life on Earth. If there wasn't life, it would go away. So, um, so that's an example of this kind of signature. We might see signatures like that in other planets. The tricky thing is to figure out, does that have to be from life or could it be from something else? So there's definitely possibilities that we could, that we'll get steps further there. Um, whether we're going to, you know, see something definitive that tells us that there's life on on other planets, you know, never say never. But I suspect that's a little bit, that's that's definitely less likely. It's fascinating because completely unrelated to this, I'm in the middle of the PBS uh, documentary series, Chasing the Moon, where it documents the space race. And one of the things that's in a way depressing to me is like there was so much excitement and so much work put on towards getting to the moon. And then a lot of our space exploration stopped. I mean, we've had shuttled missions, obviously, the, the space station, but we haven't gone further. Are we getting more bang for our buck for satellites like this when it comes to learning and exploration than we would get from traveling, you know, whatever, if the Mars was next or a comet or, or whatever, than actually going out there and exploring? Like, I understand the costs involved and everything, but is this uh, is this just as good, if not better than, you know, boots on the ground, for lack of a better term? Sure. I mean, it, it depends on your goals, right? Um, I I get excited about the scientific results and learning more about uh, learning more about the universe. And I actually and I honestly do think that that building satellites is a much more effective way to do that than trying to put humans in that in environment in most cases than trying to put humans in that environment just because of the the enormous cost and risk that's involved in in trying to do that um you know there there's an alternate point of view that for something like uh you know answering the question of whether there was ever life on mars that it's you can design instruments to do all kinds of experiments um but but machines aren't as good as adapting to unexpected things that you find um, as humans are being able to say, oh, that's not what I was looking for at first. But let me look at that closer and and see what it looks like. So there's there's arguments in that even on the science side, there's arguments in that direction. Um, but but you do. Broadly speaking, I think you do in general get more scientific return from missions like this than from from you know human space exploration that being said though you know we're only a handful of images into this i would imagine if we kind of see excitement squared over and over again and and interesting things squared could this jumpstart more interest and in maybe not necessarily human exploration but we start to get more interested in what's out there and think think past rovers and stuff like that just because what we're getting is so interesting and so tantalizing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's certainly been renewed interest in recent years in going back to the moon. Um, people talk about missions to Mars in a way that's, that's more serious in the last couple of years, I think, than had been in the few decades before that. And so 
yeah, so there's definitely interest in in all of these different things, and um, and they're not aside from funding, they're not totally mutually exclusive. That you can you can do both of them at some level. But yeah, I think I think the the excitement that you get from some of these things does definitely build on itself and make you think, okay, I mean, it's, it's greedy in a sense, but you see this, you're like, wow, we can do this now. Okay. What comes after that? You know, it gets you excited about what the, what the next thing might be. Um, and there's one of the things, this is a little bit different or a little bit in between what you're talking about, but one of the things that, that definitely is in the pipeline for Mars, for example, is not sending people to Mars, but sending missions that will not just sit on the surface and stay there till they break down, but will do what's called sample return. We'll actually fly there, land on Mars, collect some samples, and then either that spacecraft or a different spacecraft brings them back to Earth to let us look at them in a much more detailed way than we can remotely and to be able to react in a sense to things that we that we didn't expect. Missions like that are definitely in the in the pipeline for the coming decades. I'm curious because you talked about the concept I still have a hard time getting my head around, but looking kind of back in in time. Is it possible by looking back in time throughout the universe, we could learn more about Earth's future, theoretically? Like you see other planets that are similar, but maybe in different stages. I mean, I don't even really quite know what I'm what I'm saying, but can we learn, could this, by looking outwardly, could we learn more inwardly, if that makes sense? Definitely. I, we definitely can. And and the our challenge in astronomy with understanding how things change over time is that the timescales are so long, right? The Earth is, the Earth and the Sun, our solar system are four and a half billion years old. So you can't just sort of watch that system evolve. So what we have to do is look at different things that are at different ages. It's sort of like if you wanted to understand how humans age and you were impatient and didn't have time to just wait and watch it happen, you look around and you see babies and you see elementary school kids and you see teenagers and you see old people and you can kind of connect the dots and say, okay, that's how one evolves into the other. And we do the same thing with stars and with planets. We can see systems that are very young, and that tells us something about where we came from. And we can see systems that are much older, and that can tell us something about where we're going. What is the durability of this telescope? Because right before we came on, I read that it got hit by a micrometeor, you know, and they expected that, but this one was a little bigger. And, you know, you mentioned Hubble since ninety. You know, are they looking at a relatively short window? Are they hopeful that this thing can be up there for years, if not decades? How, because it is so powerful, I would imagine it is uh, rather fragile. You know, I, I what's the what's the time frame here? Yep. So the the hope is for so the initial sort of mission spec was about 10 years. And one of the limiting factors is that the the orbit it's in that keeps it at a certain position, basically on the on the opposite direction from the sun, you know, so a little ways out from Earth, but but away from the sun, it has to use a little bit of fuel to maneuver a little bit to keep it in that orbit. Um, and the initial spec was for 10 years to be able to do that. 
they were able, because everything's working so well, they were able to put it in into its initial orbit and use less fuel than they expected. And so now that looks more like 20 years in terms of, of when it would run out of fuel to be able to maintain that orbit. So the hope is for something like 20 years, the worry, as you said, is that this big mirror is sitting out there in space and space is pretty empty, but it's not totally empty. And so we know that there's little um, little fragments and some bigger fragments that that could hit the mirror, could hit the spacecraft and cause some damage. And um, people have done the calculations and you you there's good reason to believe that nothing bad will happen. <laughs> um, but it's chance. You know, you don't ever know for sure that you might not get hit by something that would would shorten the mission. But the hope is for something like like 20 years. And to that point, we kind of talked about this earlier, but now having that. You know, there's been so much information and so much in just the first few days. Can you even get your head around what 20 years at this volume of information could hold and what that would mean? No, I mean, it's it's you know, there was that initial set of images that that were amazing to look at. But already, but but what the telescope is doing now is it's going through a whole series of other observations that's starting to do the scientific observations that that astronomers have proposed. And a few of those are starting to come out already. Just a couple of days ago, I was talking to another astronomer like, oh, did you see the, this new image of a galaxy that was out on Twitter? And I looked at it, I was like, holy cow, the, you know, it's just another brand new thing. And we're going to keep having those sort of holy cow moments that are just going to keep coming. Um, and that's going to be really fun to see. Um, and I have no idea what it's all going to look like, but it's going to be cool. Where does this rank? In your career, as far as things that you've gotten excited, is this at the top of the list as far as things you've gotten excited about and the possibilities of? Uh, where would you kind of rank this right now? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, there's a, there's exciting things happening all the time, and I get I get easily excited, as my <laughs> students can tell you. Um, but this is right up there. You know, again, it's it's early days, so it's a little hard to tell what it's going to look like in the long term, but the potential seems huge. Uh, I, th I think the excitement is high, both because of the cool things we've seen already, but partly because of just the long anticipation leading up to it. You know, it's been in the works for a long time. There were issues with getting it all working. There was the kind of six months of 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 holding our breath to see if things were really going to work. And now we're getting the payoff and seeing that it's working and that makes it, makes it extra exciting. But yeah, this is definitely one of the, the coolest things that I've seen in a long time. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. <laughs>